0: Thank you. Welcome to the Career Methodist Podcast. This is uh, Nisar Ahmad, your host. This is episode 77 of the Career Methodist Podcast, and I am continuing the Career Expert Series. As an audience, if you've been following us, uh, the Career Expert Series is where I bring in uh, professionals, career experts, coaches, who have had extensive experience helping candidates, helping uh, professionals in improving their careers and also helping them find the dream job. And today I'm really excited. I'm interviewing someone who has been in this space for a long time. His his name is Mac Pritchard. A very quick introduction of Mac, and we'll hear more from him very soon. He's the founder of MaxList. MaxList is an online community that connects more than 80,000 passionate, creative individuals, professionals every month to help them find meaningful and creative careers. MaxList has been around since 2001, so we will be hearing from Mac. A lot of his perspective over the many years he has run the site. Hey, Mac, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the show, Nisar. So before we get into the actual interview and some of the some of your ideas, a question I always ask my guest, where are you calling from? Well, I'm
1: calling from Davenport, Iowa, in the United States. It's my hometown. It's where I grew up, and I'm getting along in years. It's I'm 59, but I'm... I'm actually visiting my father this weekend for a long weekend. He's 87. Uh, last August, and I'm I'm sitting in my boyhood childhood room. So, <laughs>
0: something's never changed. No, that's really good to hear. A lot of uh, North Americans, you uh, from U.S. and Canada, have heard of Iowa. For sure, it's one of the states in the Midwest in the U.S. Um, This is your hometown. So for us who have not been to Davenport, could you share with us a a fun fact uh, about the town?
1: Sure. We're right along the Mississippi River, which of course begins in the north, northern half of the United States in Minnesota and runs all the way down to New Orleans uh, at the Gulf of Mexico. And it's a a legendary river. I, I imagine many of your Listeners know about Mark Twain, who uh, yeah. passed through here in the 19th century, he grew up in Missouri. And this section of the Mississippi, which I can see from uh, the window of my bedroom here, actually runs east-west. So it's, a, it's an odd thing about uh, Davenport, but it's a bend in the river. And it is a long river that bends and twists and turns in unpredictable ways. And, and here, instead of running north-south, it runs east-west.
0: That's an exciting fact because uh, uh, Mississippi River has a lot of history to it. And I think even Mark Twain in his book, I think it's about Huckleberry Finn, he mentions it. So I, I grew up reading Mark Twain, so it, it brought me some reminiscent me- memories. So, so thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. He's one of my favorite authors. And briefly, he worked as a newspaper reporter for some months, just about 30 miles from here in a town called Muscatine. Oh, wow. That is, uh, I, uh, that is great. I would like to, for the benefit of the audience, um, you and I have spoken, communicated multiple times, but uh, for the benefit of the audience, if you can share a little bit about yourself and also how you went about starting MaxList. Sure. I, my career in has been in communications, in politics,
1: government, and nonprofits. And I grew up here in the Midwest. I, after college, I went east. I lived and worked in Washington, D.C., in Boston, Massachusetts uh, for 11 years altogether, and that's where I mastered my public relations skills working for human rights organizations and local government um, in Massachusetts. Then I I moved to the West Coast 26 years ago this summer and built a career there in, again, working as a communicator. I was a spokesman for state agencies, a speechwriter for a governor of Oregon, I was also a communications director for at City Hall in Portland, Oregon, where my home now for a mayoral candidate. And uh, 10 years ago, I started my own uh, public relations company that works with nonprofits, foundations, and purpose-driven brands. Along the way, I've had two very long periods of unemployment, and so I had to learn through trial and error how to look for work and how to get clear about what I wanted, and also how to learn... How to pivot? How to switch careers? Because again, I've been in the workplace, professional workplace, since college, which is thirty-five plus years ago now. And one uh, result of, of learning those lessons is I started MaxList. It was a very simple newsletter. It wasn't even a newsletter. It was just a collection of names, about three dozen altogether. That to and I shared job postings, and I started doing that in two thousand and one. And today, MaxList is, as you mentioned, uh, an online community that attracts uh, more than 80,000 people a month. It includes a newsletter like the one I, I first began uh, 16 years ago, but instead of three dozen names, it's got about 25,000. And so it was a side project that came out of my interest in networking, and, but also serving my network. And so today I run from Portland, Oregon two small businesses. One is Pritchard Communications, uh, public interest, uh, or I'm sorry, social change communications company uh, that employs five people. And the other is MaxList, which also employs five people. And it helps people find work they can love and work that matters. And both companies, NISAR, are are what are called certified benefit corporations. Um, They are companies that manage not only for the bottom line, but for community benefit. And Uh, they're they're called B Corps for short and B Corps are part of a global force of businesses that are working for social good.
0: That's amazing. And uh, you mentioned B Corps and I'm a firm believer that employment is uh, first of all, having a job that uh, for, for, uh, for someone that they really connect with and they really enjoy is important. But just, but even before that, I'm a firm believer, a lot of the challenges in the world, in the developing countries and uh, undeveloped countries, yet employment will solve. I mean, like more, the more people are employed, the more prosperous a community becomes; crime goes down. That's that's been my strong belief, and there's. I mean, I've looked at data supporting that. Uh, so it's amazing that you uh, your organization is helping with that. Well, I uh, the constant uh, the
1: common denominator rather that runs through my career is wanting to make, make a difference about issues I care about uh-huh. or in the community where I live and work. And ideally finding work that allows me to do both. And the, with MaxList, helping people find a job that they can love is, creates so much positive change, not only for the individual, but uh-huh. for, for the community as a whole. And, and often we play just a small part in that. Uh, MaxList List pr- publishes job postings, uh, we teach people through our online content how to f- get clear about what they want to do in life and, and find and get what are often called hidden jobs. But in the end, it's the job seeker who makes it happen. Uh-huh. But being able to support them and play a small, small part in helping them achieve that change and, and accomplish that goal is, is hugely satisfying. And it, But it's also, as you say, it's positive for the community as a whole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now I, I wanted to get into some of the intricate steps involved in a in a job search. But I want to tie a question back to your experience. You are a communication specialist. You just explained at the beginning, this has been your career. One of the common themes I've seen people struggle with, and this doesn't matter if they're a new graduate or if they are a baby boomer, many years later down the line, struggling to find a job. Communication is a challenge. So, in your experience, uh, for all the job seeker- seekers who have come to your side who you have spoken to, why do you think it's still a struggle in spite of all the information available out there? Well, I think a big part of the reason is many of us don't
1: take the time to get clear about what we want. we We take a job because it's posted on a job board we visit or it it appears. In a newspaper, if we're still looking at newspapers and we apply, we get an interview and we get a job and and because we get an offer and in effect we've been picked, we say yes. And I think the people who I see are most successful in their careers and and the best at communicating what they offer to an employer and uh, helping under, others understand what they want, first get clear about their goals and they don't wait to be picked because uh, once they know what they want, they can go out and start having conversations with employers, leaders in their field, and peers about their goals and how those people can help them accomplish those goals. So that's, that's the key, and it's hard. Uh, I, I personally have struggled with goal-setting at different points in my career. I think we all do. It's hard work, but if you get it right, your job search is going to be so much easier and the job you get is going to be so much more satisfying and the other thing that happens is you know we're not all changing jobs regularly Uh, typically we might do so every three to five years but it makes it easier for us to communicate between job searches and when we're on the hunt about our professional interests what we care about and what we offer to others
0: interesting so, any any insights or any 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 suggestions you can give to those who struggle with that?
1: I think take the time to to tackle goal setting and, and because when you're on you're doing a search in a SAR and and people ask you uh, what are you looking for and if you say something along the lines of I'm keeping my options open I'm open to all possibilities that. I, and I've said those things myself at the very start of my career. The problem there is that people can't help you. They, can't, uh, they won't think of oppor- specific opportunities, and the conversation will come to an end. So how do you get clear about your goals? There, you've got, there are a number of ways you can approach it. If you're in college or you're a graduate of a college or university, take advantage of the resources at your career services center. These are available to students, uh, but also grads as well. And they're usually free to grads as well as students. And sit down with the staff there and have them take you through goal-setting exercises. If you're mid-career, you don't want to work with your career services office at your university or they don't offer those services, Think about investing in a career coach and it might cost you three, 500 or even a thousand dollars to work with a, a professional. But if you're uh, chasing a white collar job, you're probably looking at a position that pays 50, 75, a hundred thousand dollars. That's a pretty good return on investment. Uh-huh. Because if you are clear about your goals, your search is going to go so much faster. And then if you uh, Most uh, places, uh, certainly in the United States, and I know in Canada as well, where you are, there are employment, there's an employment office run by the state or provincial government, and they also will have services to job seekers as well as goal setting exercises. And finally, there are books out there. I'm a big fan of What Colors Your Parachute, which has exercises that will help you set goals. You can use other books that are popular. Strength Finders, which help you get clear about your strengths. So there are a lot of different tools and resources. It really depends on your listeners and how they best learn and how they like to approach solving these kinds of problems.
0: That's amazing, Max. So you've shared some actionable steps or ideas that they can take right away Uh, so they, they got the clarity and they can start jumping into the job search. So before someone jumps into the job search, there is this whole concept of, Personal branding, and I think you would—you cannot go a day without not reading about it online. Uh, anywhere you go, uh, they talk about personal branding. So uh, I wanted to hear your take on it. Is that something candidates should pay attention to before they, you know, go to Monster.com or Indeed.com and submit their resume? They,
1: they should, and we all have a brand, Nisar, Uh The question is, are we shaping that brand, or are we letting it being defined for us? And know this, the numbers vary, but there's studies out there that show anywhere between 80 and 90% of employers will Google us when we apply for a job. Typically that will happen when we send in an application and our resume is put into a pile of people who are selected for possible screening interviews. It might be a phone interview. Many employers admit this they before they make that call they, they check, check us out online. So what will they see? And personal brand is more about, it's, it's a, about a lot more than just your, your online presence. But I think that's a good place to start. And I encourage your listeners, if they haven't done so, and I think we all Google ourselves from time to time, but do it from the perspective of an, of an employer. Are they going to see your spring break vacation photos from college? or are they going to see a post that you might've written about a subject in your professional field? And uh, so take time to do that. And uh, because the brand does matter. And in addition to, that's a good first step. Look at your online profile, dig down through two or three pages of organic searches on Google. And if you don't, if you see things that aren't going to help your candidacy you need to take steps to fix them. In addition, you want to think about what you're clear about your goals and the, the profession that you want to pursue. Get involved in organizations in your field and start building relationships with uh, people in your world uh, because most jobs are never advertised. They're filled by word of mouth, and you want to be part of the conversations that happen That when those, those vacancies are discussed. And in order to be part of those conversations, you've got to build relationships and a network. But you've also ha- you also have to
0: have a strong personal brand and uh, and a professional brand as well. And that is so true. You just mentioned that eighty to ninety percent of employers are looking at the candidate. Recently, the company I work for, we were hiring for a new position, and I I made it a point that for any candidates that I. Th- they impressed us. I looked at their LinkedIn profile and if, if they did not have a LinkedIn profile, I, it sort of created a red flag for me saying, hmm, is this, is what, he's, what he or she's saying is really true? So uh, that's, a, that's an. I just want to illustrate that point. Yes, people are searching for you when they are hiring you. Yeah. And I think employers also think when they are considering a, an applicant,
1: they recognize that one reason they do this and they do check out applicants online is they know that once someone joins their team, their clients, uh, the people they serve are going to are Google that person as well. Okay. And they want to have people on their team who have a very strong online presence. There was a time perhaps eight or nine years ago where you didn't have to pay attention to LinkedIn. Uh, it's it's non-negotiable now. You have to have a, a complete and uh, dynamic LinkedIn profile. And that you have to do that for two reasons. One is um, LinkedIn has so much Google juice now, it's usually the first or second uh, uh, hit on an organic search for an individual's name. So an employer is naturally going to go there. The other reason it matters is so many human resources managers, hiring managers, recruiters, that's their first stop. And if you want to be a a successful, appealing candidate, uh, you've got to have a a strong, complete LinkedIn profile, because you're competing against so many people now who do. And if you don't, you're probably not going to make that first cut.
0: Very interesting. Uh, You mentioned something about uh, things changing in the last few years. Before I jump into some of the job search ideas, I wanted to ask you, you, uh, since you're since you started Maxlist in 2001 and the last, I'm, I'm just curious, how, how, is, how has job search changed other than the LinkedIn example in the last many years you've been doing this? Well, the tools have certainly changed.
1: There are so many online tools that we use every day that we don't think about that didn't exist 10 years ago. Twitter is one example. Facebook is another. And LinkedIn, I think, is maybe nine or 10 years old. And so back in 2001, there were certainly job boards. There had been since the mid-90s. But classified advertising still mattered in general interest newspapers right through about 2004 or 05. But while the tools have changed and we spend a lot more time online looking for work and having uh, employers check us out online, their principles haven't changed. And here are some principles that have remained the same. One is the importance of setting goals and being clear about what you want. And we talked about this earlier. If, if, you, if you don't know what you want, you make it hard for people to help you. Another principle that hasn't changed is the power of relationships. People, employers hire people they know or people who are recommended to them by others they trust. And so you've got to build relationships. And the most effective way to do that is in person through serving your professional network, volunteering for organizations in your field, being of help to other job seekers. But you have to pay attention to your online network too. But the, the principle remains the same. you, The relationships are so powerful in job hunting and make such a difference in success in a search. And I think another principle that hasn't, change is the value of service to others, Nisar. I find in the people I know who have the most successful careers and the most success when they do a job search are those who give to others uh, professionally and personally without any expectation of getting anything in return. And they get so much back as a result. But that that value of service, I think, is, is so important in both our professional and personal lives and so can make a huge difference uh, in our careers.
0: Hmm. So what I'm hearing is even though technology has become very prominent, there's a lot of tools out there, the human elements such as relationships, being authentic, connecting uh, with individuals and providing value, that hasn't changed.
1: It, it, it hasn't and it'll continue to be important. Okay. Uh, will Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn be around in 25 or 50 years? I don't know, but those principles that we talked about a moment ago will still matter.
0: Okay, fair enough. So I, I, I want to uh, ask you a question now regarding job interviews. So you, we, we covered about personal branding, job search. But what would you say has changed when it comes to the actual job interviews itself? I have personally, I've been in Canada 12 years. I've seen a lot of changes in the process, but I'd like to hear your perspective because you have seen both sides.
1: Well, I think some things have, uh, have changed. Uh, we talked earlier about how employers are checking candidates out online before an interview is offered. I think uh, the other thing that has changed is, is that it's never been easier to apply for a job. And the, the result of that is where in the old days, 20 years ago, an employer might have gotten 25 or 50 applications for a position in response to a newspaper advertisement. Now, because it's so easy just to copy and paste applications and find uh, postings for positions anywhere in the world, that same announcement might attract 100, 200, or even 500 applications. So, the, the challenge that we face as job seekers uh, when we want to get an interview is to stand out. And again, personal relationships are a way to, over, to do that. Once you get the interview, I think something that hasn't changed is the value of preparation. I meet so many job seekers who tell me about an upcoming interview and i said well what are you doing to get ready and they said well i'm just going to wing it and it's one of the most important business meetings that you'll have that year and i think if you think about it for a moment we wouldn't if we had uh, an important business meeting at our company or for our job we wouldn't just walk into the room and wing it and you've got to take that same approach to a job interview the other mistake i see people make with job interviews is they use it as a kind of discovery process. They, they think, well, that job sounds interesting. I'll p- apply and see if uh, it might be something I'd like to do, or I wonder what it would be like to work at that company. Let me send in an application and, and we can have a conversation about it. But when you walk into that room uh, for a job interview, at that point, you've got the qualifications. And what the employer wants to know is what can you do for them? How can you solve their problems? And they assume that you do want to work there. And if you make it a conversation about your interest in possibly working there, it's a, it, the interview wasn't going to go very far. So those are things that haven't changed. One thing that has, uh, another thing that has changed is uh, just, again, the ability to check out people online, to check multiple references, and the importance of the online presence.
0: Hmm. So there's a lot of transparency out there. People know before you walk into the room to meet the potential employer, they already know a little bit about you, not just from a piece of paper that is a resume. Correct. Uh, they, They probably
1: looked at your Facebook page, your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter account, and they've looked on LinkedIn to see what connections you have in common they may have called some of those connections and said, you know, tell me about Mac, tell me about uh, Ms. or what was your experience working with him? So that's, that's different. But again, what isn't different is the value of preparation and the value of homework and a good understanding of the employer's problems. Because if you know what challenges an employer faces when you walk into that room and have ideas about how to fix them, you're going to stand head and shoulders over the other candidates. And it is so easy, so much easier today Nisar, than it was 20 years ago to get uh, a good understanding of the challenges an employer faces, to identify connections you have in common. And when you do that, you can leverage those relationships to get insights into an employer's needs, as well as present yourself as a candidate uh, who... Uh, may be known and trusted by people that you and the employer know in common.
0: That's actually amazing. So I just want to summarize what he just said, because it is so key. You mentioned the importance as a candidate to prepare, uh, and there's no shortage of resources. Everything is online. And also don't, don't go in necessarily to answer questions. Come up with solutions, if you can, about some of the about industry challenges they face or company challenges they face. and. Me just listening to this knows, I mean, I'm, I'm just getting excited listening to this because if I made a candidate like that, I would want to put that person above everyone else or even hire that person. Yes, and, and if the candidate can make
1: that meeting a conversation about the employer's needs mm-hmm. and draw the hiring manager out about what's keeping her or him up at night, then the employer is going to see you as the candidate as a potential peer and a problem solver. Huh. You know, my, my, my favorite all time job interview question as a candidate is this, it's, you know, there's always that you walk in there and, and uh, there's usually some formal process. You're asked a series of questions, maybe by one person or perhaps several people on a panel. And then they turn to you and they say, well, what questions do you have for us? and, You know, number one, don't ask any questions about a topic you can find out on the website or through uh, 30 or 60 minutes of of online research because that'll demonstrate that you haven't done your homework. Instead, you want to have a conversation about their needs. And one of the best ways to do that is to ask a question like this Say to the hiring manager, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to get this job and I'm sitting down with you in 12 months, and you're giving me my annual review, what are the three things you want me to tell you I've done for you? And usually what happens when you ask that question is this. There's always a pause often, and then they kind of sit back, and then um, they lean forward and they tell you about something that isn't in the job description, that hasn't been addressed in the interview questions, that uh, wasn't mentioned in the conversation in the interview today. And so you have this golden opportunity as a candidate to talk about an actual need that perhaps none of the other candidates are going to be aware of. And so your job then is to listen while they tell you about that problem and then reflect on your own experience or tap into your own ideas about how the employer might solve that problem. And when two things happen when you do that, and this are one is they start seeing you, that hiring manager as a peer, as, a, as somebody they want to have on their team. And second, it starts a conversation not only about that challenge, but about others. And, and again, employers hire people to fix things and you want to be seen as the fixer. And that's a, a question gives you a great opportunity to show how you might do that.
0: Hey, Mac, if I can be totally frank with you, I've done a lot of research on interview questions, but that has to be the best question I've ever heard. So I'm going to ask you a favor. If you don't mind repeating that so that um, I'll definitely, when I'm putting, the, putting it out, I'll highlight the question. But I love the way you explained it. Just the question that the candidate should ask. Could you share that again? Sure. So here's the, the most powerful
1: interview question I know, Nassar. It goes like this. Say to the hiring manager, if I'm fortunate enough to get this job, and you and I are sitting down in 12 months' time uh, for my first annual review, what are the three things you want me to tell you that I've done for you? And what happens when you ask that question is the hiring manager will sit back, will will reflect for a moment, and they uh, almost always tell you about one or two things that haven't come up in the job posting, in the interview questions, or in the conversation in the interview to date. And that gives you an opportunity as they talk to listen and offer up your own ideas about how to solve the the problems they tell you about. And it's a golden opportunity because uh, they are probably talking about something that they're not sharing with any of the other candidates. And when all of us as job candidates want to stand out in a crowded field, and this is a perfect way to do it, at the same time, you're presenting yourself as a problem solver and as somebody who will, is being seen as almost a peer by the hiring manager because the two of you are having a conversation about a need they have right now and
0: how you can help that hiring manager solve that problem. I, that, that is, as I mentioned before, that is the best question I've ever heard. And I think that will, if you're the candidate listening to this, that will definitely give you an edge over anybody else. So, one of the last questions I have for you is uh, let's say someone has successfully obtained a career, they are, they are in their dream job. What would you recommend them to do after? So, they are now they've switched from a job seeker to a career professional. Any suggestions for them, Mac?
1: Well, recognize that we're all probably going to be in the workplace for 35 or 40 years, and we all will change jobs anywhere between seven to 10 times. And during those 35 to 40 years, as well as probably change careers, I'm on my, my third or fourth one, I've kind of lost track. So when we get that dream job, it's not probably going to last forever. And, and so I think it's always important, again, to think about goal setting, whether you're early in your career or mid career, and where you hope to be in the 3, 5, or 10 years after you leave that job. And then the final thing is I, we've talked about networking, and we've talked a little bit about how so many jobs are never publicly posted. They're filled by word of mouth. Sometimes this is called the hidden job market. And there are estimates out there, this are that as many as 8 out of 10 jobs are never advertised. They're filled through conversations of between hiring managers and peer and trusted advisors. Uh So our challenge when we're looking for work or we're thinking about what we want to do after our, our, our dream job, we're ready to move on from our current dream job is how do we become part of those conversations? And there are three great ways to do it. One is always be serving your network, make time to talk to job seekers Make time to volunteer in, for professional groups uh, in your field. Uh, make time to go to industry events in your world. And pay attention to your professional relationships. And it's not about taking, it's also about giving. I find that the people who are think about where they want to be after their current position and are active volunteers and leaders in their field and give without any expectation of getting anything in return are the ones who get the dream job after dream job after dream job and have the most success Hmm. in their careers.
0: Fantastic. Mac, I'm sure, I mean, so far you've said I shared amazing ideas and after listening to this, the audience wants to reach out to you or find out more about you. Uh, How can they do that?
1: Uh, They can visit maxlist.org slash metas. And if they go to that URL, Ms. Art, they'll find uh, an opportunity to download the first chapter of our of my new book this year. It's called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. And principles and ideas that we've talked about today are, are in that book. It's available on Amazon and our website. And they can also visit our website, maxlist.org. We have a blog, a weekly podcast called Find Your Dream Job, and other free educational content about job hunting and career management. And and we'd love to uh, have people uh, visit us there too.
0: And uh, one thing I've noticed that is your your team, you're always releasing or producing new type of valuable information. I believe you did mention that uh, before the interview, you do have a course and a book coming out as well, geared towards job seekers. Do you mind share, uh, talking about that as well?
1: Well, I mentioned the book, Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. Uh, sure. We do have a new course. It's called Job Interview Essentials. Mm-hmm. And it lays out the principles that we talked about about job interviewing and specific tips like the one I suggested about the uh, the interview question I always recommend people ask. Mm-hmm. And you can find information about the job interview essentials
0: course on our website. It's maxlist.org. I'll make sure to include all these resource, resources when I share the show notes when this episode goes live. Mac, it has been a pleasure. I've learned great new perspectives on job search, finding your dream job, and you shared a lot of golden nuggets throughout the interview. Well, thank you. I, it's
1: uh, it's an honor to be on the show. I've listened to a number of your programs and you're doing great work up there. So keep it up, Nisar.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Career Metis Podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary of the interview with uh, the links, uh, specific links that Mac has provided. You can find it on the show notes uh, if you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nissar Ahmed, your host for the Career Matters podcast. Thank you.